This podcast is sponsored by King Manual Therapy, restoring function to body and voice. Hello and welcome to Industry Minds, the podcast that discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Kathy Reid. And I'm Scarlett Maltman. And today we are joined by the lovely Katie Richardson. Hi. Hello. How are you? Oh, fine. Very well. Just back from Australia, yeah. looking golden. <laughs> yeah, just casually. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming to uh, chat to us today. For those of you who don't know, Katie is a musical director who gained a BA First Class Honours in Music Ooh, from Leeds University. <laughs> she then gained a postgraduate diploma in musical direction from Mountview. Katie has a huge number of credits under her belt, um, some of which include uh, Assistant MD on Sweet Charity at the Leicester Curve, uh, Bonnie and Clyde at the Bernie Arts Grant Centre, uh, MD on Sister Act. Uh, but where most people will have heard her name is as the MD of the smash hit Six, which is currently at the Arts Theatre, which we are Woo-hoo! above today. <laughs> Obviously, this uh, went to the Edinburgh Fringe and toured the UK as well. At the time of recording, Six has been nominated for five, yes, that is right, five <laughs> Olivier Awards and has won the Best Off West End Show at the What's On Stage Awards, amongst many, many others. Uh, also, we fun fact, Katie plays the piano, the clarinet, the saxophone, the bassoon, the flute, and she also sings. So, yeah, we're like Wonder Woman. I mean, yeah, I did when I was younger. Yeah, piano takes over your life but yeah yes <laughs> I, I still know how yeah so musical that's amazing i'm like one instrument sally over here you're like <laughs> you're like I'm, i can only do wind instruments like strings and me just don't get on i tried so many They're times i just don't get it <laughs> i'm so amazed by people that can do it like yeah. I, I literally spent a year trying to learn guitar when i was 15 and mm. i just had to give up so shall we start with a little game let's start with the game okay. I don't know what this first word. I'm assuming that's music. Yeah, it so is, you yeah. can ask the first one. Yeah, you can do it. <laughs> Something musical vibes. So this is our word association game. So just say the first thing that oh, pops no, into your head. Oh no, I hate these games. You're gonna be fab, right? <laughs> ABRSM. Great. Conducting. Button. Beginner's call. Panic. <laughs> <laughs> Tech. Um. I can't think of like swear words in my head. I'm going to say like Coke Zero because oh, yes. I, I literally give me a Coke Zero sponsorship. That's yeah. all I want in my life. Yeah, so much. Um, chocolate buttons. Um, delicious. Mario Kart. See, Mario Party is better, so Mario Party. What's I'm Mario Party? It's related, but it's like a board game. Um, okay. One of my <laughs> friends from uni made it into quite an elaborate drinking game. Uh, oh. Very fun. Oh but it's the characters from Mario Kart, but it's like, I can't even tell you what the rules are because there are so many and they exist only in his brain. But oh it's, my really, God. it's really fun. You should make this into a thing. Yeah. Get it <laughs> That's Fair a business enough. idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, girl power. Six. Yes. So on brand. <laughs> Work. Uh, hard. Stress relief. <clears throat> um, relax as well. I mean, nice yes, of course you can. It's my favourite. Banana split with ice cream, chocolate sprinkles, squishy cream, and a little sparkly flag on the top. Squishy cream is Scottish, is it? 
So, as we've just listed before the game, you play many, many instruments, and it's clear that music's always been a huge part of your life. Um, what inspired you to sit down at the piano at a young age? Just talk us through your journey of where it all began and where it led you to today. Um, so, I can't... I can't remember starting to play. I started when I was five, um, and I learned. I literally learned to read music at the same time I learned to read words. So I, I really can't remember not being able to do it, which is really corny but true. Um, I think it's just you know my parents thought it was a good thing for children to do. Although my mum now claims that I asked for it, but I've n- I don't know. I don't know. She, I think I, who knows what she's like. Um, and then. I think it was one of those things that when I was really little I always just found it easy and then you know you always just tend to go towards the stuff you think is easy and I, and I never realised I was like good at it, I was just like oh this is fun and easy, I'll do that, it's more fun than school yeah. <clears throat> and then um, I, I'd, I've picked up clarinet a few years after that and then I was really lucky that my secondary school, um, ha- the music teacher we had there was so amazing inspirational and eventually became a music academy when I was there but um so she made us sing constantly from and it wasn't like only people that went to choir sang at my school it was like everyone sang and everyone loved it and then before we knew by the time we were 14 everyone could sort of start sing relatively well like everyone in the whole school and it was just this like I don't she's just this inspirational woman that managed to do it um and then I just grabbed and then I remember I loved bassoon because when I was in year seven I really wanted to be in the school orchestra but we were only allowed three clarinets and all three clarinet positions were taken by girls that were older than me. Um, so I was like, cool, what do we need? And then the teacher was like, bassoon. And then by some weird stroke of luck, someone, because bassoons are really expensive, right? And my mum was like, oh gosh, she wants to learn the bassoon. But some, by some weird stroke of luck, there was a guy on our road that was an, a bassoonist who didn't play anymore since having kids. And yeah, and my mum managed to borrow one and I still have his bassoon. And I'm always like, if you ever want it back, by the way, <laughs> just let me know. Um, and then clarinet, I mean saxophone and flute, I think. Actually, I remember exactly why I learned flute. was because I had shingles when I was in year eight, and I was off school for a week. And I, my clarinet was in my locker at school. And I got really bored of practicing piano and bored of watching Dead Home TV and all that other stuff. And my sister played flute, and her flute was at home. So I was just like, cool, I'm going to learn that. <laughs> but it is, when you've learned one wind instrument, the others are kind of easy. <laughs> but yeah, that's, yeah, that's the reason why. And then I just... I remember having to make the really big decision in sick form of whether I pursued music or engineering, which is what I thought I should do. Yeah, because I did maths and physics a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I remember being like, oh, because I went to quite an academic school and um, and we were always really pushed towards the academic side of things. And then my mum was actually like, no, you want to do music, go do music. So I did. Wow. I was going to ask you, um, with the singing, or maybe you want to be like a musical theatre actress or something. You're like, oh, I did, I did do that. As, I did do that as well. I did, I did um, like youth theatre in my area, and I did all the school musicals and everything on stage. Um, and I sort of went to uni, knowing I wanted to work in theatre with a pipe dream, maybe of being an actress. And, and and when I did youth theatre, I never sort of, I only did classical piano and then musical theatre singing. And then there was one day when. I was at my youth theatre and the accompanist, accompanist for whatever reason, 
um, was it, couldn't come or was ill or whatever, and they were like, hey, do you play piano, don't you? So I played for that, and then I was like, oh, you can put these things together. Yeah. And then, yeah. I love it. That's great. That's amazing. Amazing. <laughs> um, so you began your studies for a more academic approach to music. Um, what led you to that decision to go for the more academic route? Um, I just knew I didn't want to go to music college. I think because I always, I, I'm like a bit of a book nerd, so I always knew I wanted to to do a proper. Yeah like reading lots of books type degree um so and and a new music college wouldn't allow me that um and I just always wanted to go to university I think because my parents um both went to university and met at university and they always talked about it and it was the best time ever and whatever so I was like okay I want to do that as well um and then so I went to I went to Leeds because they have their performance and academia is quite well split in the degree so you can sort of choose and the amount of societies at Leeds University are ridiculous so there's so much performance opportunity um so I kind of felt like I was choosing both but then I ended up I did performance in the first year uh, actually got kicked off and then uh so I just did academia for the rest of the time and only did performance outside of lessons why'd you get kicked off that's ridiculous uh yeah <laughs> I don't want to do down Leeds University because I loved yeah. it so much but they um the pass mark was 60 and I got given 59 uh and I was heartbroken but then the set I used the same piece for my um Royal Academy audition and they gave me really good feedback for it so it's opinion, it's not, to it's opinion, opinion. Yeah. not to worry. Not to worry. And it meant I got to do more um, nerdy essays. So that was cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's easy to forget after graduation just how challenging university and other training establishments can be. And many students uh, suffer from stress and financial burdens and the like. And it's very easy to get stuck in a bit of a dark place while studying. Um, how did you deal with the stresses of university and then on to Mountview where you did your postgrad? Um, I think I was really lucky at university in that the society I joined, Stage Musical Society, Leeds University, shout out, mm-hmm. um, was uh, the way it worked is once you sort of got in once, you then there's a rule which means that you're always a society member and, and the point of that is to recreate communities so if you, as long as you audition you're guaranteed a place in the show in whatever capacity so I think that immediately had this sense of community that came with it and we all supported each other um, and so even though that was quite a big demand of my time and I, I guess sort of amounted to work experience looking on it in hindsight like it was just really fun and so around studies we knew we always had that and that, that was they were really regular routines um, that's not to say <laughs> there weren't complete weeks of like I can't do my degree yeah. <laughs> but yeah um, Mountview was the the workload and stress level at Mountview I thought my degree was hard was like another level um, and but I was really lucky in that I went to Mountview at the same time as three other people that were at Leeds with me we all just got in the same year all in different years brilliant really coincidentally mm-hmm. and lived with two of them so just had this amazing support network and I think that's the the main thing I can put it down to like it was so hard it was so hard but we all had each other and I think that's the main thing that pulled us through um, and you know like all education establishments they both had a lot of support networks inbuilt like you know if, if you're finding stuff hard or whatever you can always come to us and a lot of really uh what's the word approachable staff members that were really always around so i think that helped a lot did you find that there was more kind of um support networks at university in terms um, i think at university they were much more formal mm. and like 
I don't. Uh, I think most of them now, but Leeds particularly, like at the actual university counselling system was ab- actively advertised everywhere, um, and uh, you were always able to ask for tutorials with your personal tutor and, and things like that. So it was very, very um, obvious. I think at Mount View, I don't know if things have changed now, but when I was there, it, it was I wasn't aware of, the, of a, a formal counselling thing. It, it might have existed, but I wasn't aware of it. But we, the, the informally, it was very readily available. Like my, my head of year was always around to have a chat to if you needed to and, and all the stuff, really. So I think just having that I, I guess I think it might be a bit different as a postgrad than as an undergrad um, to feel that way because we always felt we were sort of connected to the stuff because we were like yeah. halfway houses yeah, but I yeah. so but I never yeah I always felt like it was very uh, there were places to go mm, yeah, yeah. Mm, it's interesting isn't it my my boyfriend he went to Stirling Uni uh, which has the highest um, risk of suicide out of all the un- universities in the UK and I remember when he got in um, and he chose to go there all of his friends were like just literally just don't kill yourself like you can, you can get through it you can get through it and remember when I went to visit him and everywhere in the cor- corridors was like numbers like they had multiple rooms where you could go and talk to people just because it is so stressful and it's so that I forget just how stressful yeah. even like drama school was yeah. and it's it's good to know that there is support available but I think there needs to be more in drama schools and establishments the for, I think the fact that I wasn't aware of it, whether it existed or not, is kind of the key there, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. That's yeah, the thing. Absolutely. Sure. Um, so what is your relationship with mental health? Just talk us through your journey. Um, I think kind of the same as everyone. Been ups and downs, as there always are. But um, it's a thing that like me and my friends as a group really, really, in the past few years, have got better at talking about and trying to actively talk about it more. Um, and I think that's kind of the thing that's helped most of all, really. And I think that's, you know, it, it's a lot more okay to talk about it just in, like, the social climate nowadays, but I think that I've really noticed that in my friendships as well as in, you know, the media. Absolutely. Yeah, I've definitely noticed yeah. a change in the industry, actually, yeah. recently. Even people are wanting to talk yeah, about I'll have it. Yeah, I'll have people that will text me being like, I'm, re- I'm you know, I'm struggling to go, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And it's so much better. It's fab. Yeah. It's, it's not I, fab, but it's, it's no, good but it's that good. it's getting it's, spoken about. It is good, yeah. I had a friend text me the other day and we were just like, oh, we should catch up. And I was like, how have you been? And she was like... She was like, yeah, I've been okay. Like, I've been really struggling with my anxiety the past few weeks yeah. and stuff. So, like, just trying to get through that. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I hear you, blah, blah, blah. But, like, before yes. people be like, yeah, I'm fine. And yeah, I know. Wouldn't elaborate. Or, or so someone would say something and be like, oh, what? Yeah. You have a mental health issue. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> so mental health, as we know, affects many creatives. Um, how has mental health been received and supported across the years that you have worked in theatre? Um, I think, as I said... Like overall, I think I've really noticed it. It just come up in conversations a lot more in the past couple of years. I think also though, I've only really been in positions where people come to me to talk about it at work, kind of in the past two years. So yeah, I'm not sure which of those are stronger, but um, I have noticed recent. I guess it's because I'm MD now rather than assistant and I think that like that being in a because I'm more visible it's just you're more likely to have people come talk to you I think that I don't think that it's ever 
that I've noticed in work ever been like looked down on or seen as a weakness but I think it is honestly that in the past couple of years it's just talked about and I think that's the difference I think if if four years ago if, if people had talked about it it wouldn't have been considered negatively but I just think people didn't talk about it and now it's very openly talked about and like our I mean, I think also company managers that I've worked on with recently have made it very, like, you know, put signs up, been like, I'm always here, here's my number, oh, like, yeah, come and talk to yeah. us, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's that's just all the visibility, which I'm sure was always the case, but it's just, like, I don't think that, you know, when I first started, if I'd gone to a company manager saying, like, I'm really struggling with this, it, it would have affected me negatively at all, but mm-hmm. I just don't think that it was people felt that they could do that yeah. as much. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the thing. I think people worry that they're a risk if yeah. they say, oh, I'm, I'm struggling with this, and someone's like, oh, well, there's a thousand other people who can do your yeah, job, and I, I think know. that's why. Whereas, like, people who are in positions of, basically, who who are, like, company managers and, like, stage managers Ooh. and stuff, when, they, when they're when they like, it's fine, you know that you can, you can still do your job and still struggle with yeah, your mental health. Yeah, it doesn't like, struggling, yeah. like, going through and working through an injury, it's the same. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think it is genuinely seen as the same now. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think it's, like, it's slightly different for actors and creatives, though. That's the only thing, like, yeah. I think, like, actors are very supported and, and everyone is, like, you know, we will help you through this as an injury, but I do think that with creatives it would be seen as a weakness still. Cause you, really? Yeah. Because you have to be, I don't know, I always feel like I have to be sort of like a, a calm place for actors to be able to come to me. Sure. Which is, and I think, I don't know if that's just my personal philosophy, but I think that is what yeah. is doing my job well. And I'm not saying that I, that would never show weakness. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. like sometimes you go into work upset if you get bad news or whatever. But I do think it's a different attitude for creatives. Like, I don't know if, like, there was a director that sort of openly talked about mental health issues. I don't know how... I've never known, like seen that happen, mm. and that's it, because it can't be that no directors have them. Yeah, no. well, well, that's why we wanted to start getting more creatives on because yeah. it's, it's not just actors that suffer. Yeah. yeah, and I can understand from that point of view. Well, you would you would think that if you're kind of like director, choreographer, MD, company manager, you need to kind of be like the pillars that are fine. Yeah, absolutely. So that the the actors because there's there's usually only like one of you, whereas there could be a huge yeah. company of actors. So yeah, I think that that's important that you've brought that up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So and I, f- I feel like a lot of the time as well, obviously com- company managers sort of first port of call, but I wonder if creatives would feel that they could go to company manager. I I feel like I can. Yeah. With but we I mean uh, on six at the moment we have like this um, this really lovely environment about it, but I wonder if in other circumstances I might not feel like I could. Hmm. Yeah. We should put a poll out. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Like, would you um, obviously I think that's something you'd want to introduce into the arts is more support for creatives I think that by nature of it people come to you to talk to you mm-hmm. and sometimes that can be really difficult in itself because you take on other people's stuff and I think that like that also that's a thing that company managers experience in a whole other level than how I've ever experienced it because that's maybe happened to me I don't know, like a few times in my whole career. Like, it's not frequent. But I think company managers have that all the time. And I always wonder how much company managers are looked after. Yes. I think that brings up a point. I know, for example, the Nash have, what, they've got counsellors on site. They've got all these referrals, like, yeah. to go to. And I think 
Yeah, that's a really good point. There has to be who's looking after the company manager. Yeah. Is, it, is, is it a case that you get a counsellor once a week for your show that people can go and openly talk to? I know that's again money or whatever, but yeah. it's it just comes down to that system. Like even for example, counsellors who's looking after the counsellors. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it is standard that ca- like most therapists go to the therapy themselves, yeah. isn't it? So yeah. I think it's a similar. Yeah, similar. well, it's like a, a a doctor has a doctor. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, exactly. And a dentist has a dentist. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's kind of like. So we have to I look. Like that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so yeah. we kind of have to look after. It took me a long time as a child to understand that my mum's a GP, and that she had to go to a different GP. She couldn't be the GP for herself. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, I find that really interesting. Really interesting because we're all human, right? Yeah. We're all human. We all go through the same, I guess. Yeah. So just because you're of in a position of high responsibility, yeah, it doesn't mean that you you can't suffer. Or and sometimes the stress is actually. High, like way higher yeah yeah so how important you, you don't need to answer this question this is a bit of a weird one by the way okay. um, so how important are relationships within a cast as actors we all know the importance of bonding as, as the actors and supporting one another um, as I said a weird question we, we might be way off the mark but how e- easy is it for creatives in a show to maybe feel alone or left out we see it all the time on casting so often the creative teams are um, aren't cre- sorry the creative teams aren't credited um, in the casting o- announcements and feel left out so we just wondered is this something that happens within closed doors of I think it can happen very easily yeah um, I actively battle it by making sure I make friends with casts but I don't think that it's always as easy as, as it can be like um, and I think it's, it, it is particularly when particularly keep starting sentences and not like not knowing where I'm going um, partic- particularly for, I think for directors but everyone feels to an extent but particularly when a director is seen as like the head of the ship and responsible for it I think that can be really isolating and it's kind of in rehearsals I've, I've had it before where I've in the whole rehearsal period we'll make sure the creative team go for lunch together because cast will go to lunch together and you think okay fair enough the cast needs some time away from the directors probably to like bitch about them or whatever like it's a natural process of rehearsals um, but I think it can be really isolating if you particularly if you're working on a production kit team where there's already friends and you're a new person that's really difficult because people don't do bonding activities like actors are really used to it in cast of being like make friends with everyone but creatives it doesn't happen so much and you have to be a really particular per- type of personality to just be like fuck it I'm gonna make friends with everyone like and not, and not everyone is that and I think music we're kind of lucky because we on like on a tour in a show there's always the band so you always have like your team of musicians as well as the cast so you've kind of got like two groups um but yeah, I do think it is hard, and I think people don't think about it, and I yeah. think actors don't think about it. Yeah, uh-huh. like it's, it's been really. Uh, the, uh, in a couple of times when I've started on shows, when actors have asked me if they want to come for lunch or whatever, particularly when I was assistant MD, like that makes all the difference. Yeah, yeah it's just yeah, uh-huh. it's. I think it's interesting because obviously in rehearsal process you're around what the stage manager, around the director, choreographer, and um, MD. But then, for example, the band you don't you're not introduced to the band till not not until like sits. Yeah, yeah, do you know what I mean? So yeah. even that, and even then, like I make a point, and people that work with me will laugh because like I always make a point of band cast integration. I always try and do it, and it never really works, but I always try. Yeah. And um, it's happened a lot where I mean both sides just sort of don't have interest, in which case I'm like fine, but. Yeah. I just don't think it should be that way um, and so I always I always try and integrate and make sure everyone knows everyone's name 
because yes. um, it's amazing how much they don't. I just can't imagine going to work and then like not being able to talk to anyone, which I guess is probably the case in some yeah. theatres. You go to work and you people walk straight by. Yeah, you, that can particularly when there's a when there's no for musicians when there's no band room. Yeah, which, which does happen. Yeah, um, we've had it on tour a few times when there's been like a tiny room for a band of nine. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. Um, and also a thing that's happened a few times on tour is when there's male and female members of the band that only provide one band room, which yeah. means that like the girls just end up getting hung in the toilets and stuff, which is just a bit. And it can all impact. Yeah, yeah, it can, it and can. it yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I think it can be combated by just really stupid things by just saying hello to everyone. But it's, it always amazes me how, like, people in in their own department won't know what. It's not just musicians, obviously. It's like won't know what stage management's names yeah. are, what text names are, yeah. whatever. Exactly. <coughs> it's important to know everyone who you work with because at the end of the day, yeah, the production wouldn't happen without everyone. Exactly. So it, it can't just be the actors being like, oh, well, they do that yeah. and blah blah blah. Yeah. I think that's what's so lovely about like rep theatres, for example, because it's like everyone united under one yeah. roof, and you are introduced to all those people that do show after show after show. So it's it's different yeah. from like West End turnarounds yeah. or whatever. But yeah, 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 very, yeah. very important. So, Katie, you are our first MD on the podcast, <laughs> which is fab. Um, what are some of the challenges of being a musical director that people may not know? Um, I would say the job is ten percent music, ninety percent people management. <laughs> For real. <laughs> um, and I th- yeah, I think people don't realize that yeah. a lot mm-hmm. yeah yeah because i always find i have to talk to musicians in a completely different way i have to talk to actors and that's a lot of like sort of making things magically happen mm. musically when other people around don't really know what how you did it or just assume that it gets done yeah. uh, and it's also it's kind of like sound and it's like it's a kind of thankless job until it goes wrong yes people don't notice when you do it well yeah, yeah. do you think that's why um there's a lot of like controversy about the fact that there's no musical director category in the Olivier's, and do you think that because oh, yeah. people don't quite understand how, like, unless you're a musician, you probably can't understand like how intricate, how difficult it is to be a musical director. Do you think that's maybe why there isn't um, a category for that? Or I, I, this is an ongoing debate that I've had with a lot of people. I mean, yeah. at least uh, the Olivier's have added the Achievement in Music yes. Award, yeah. um, at least, whereas there are other awards that don't have anything. Mm. Um, but. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think. I think it's because it's not as visible. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> it's the same thing as sometimes I've had it in the past when I'm rehearsing and people assume that once you've taught the music, that's it. Then after that, after dress runs or whatever, you don't get given notes time director and choreographer will but MD doesn't and you're like hi I need to clean the vocal and the director will just be like oh it sounded fine and I'm like yeah it looked fine. Mm. You know, mm. um, doesn't happen so much anymore, but it, 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 that has happened to me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think it, I I don't know. I can't. I, I just think it's because it's not as visible mm-hmm. until you do it wrong. Exactly the same as sound. Yeah. yeah. People only notice sound design when it's then there's an when there's an error. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. That's very true. Mm-hmm. So what? Just for listeners, <laughs> how would you describe your job role? Like everything that you do, I know it's probably a very long list, but <laughs> um, just to get the understanding out know. there. Of how I don't know how to describe it. 
I think it's that it's difficult. It's just a lot. It's it's essentially middle management because you're you're kind of the first put because you're the one that's there every day out of the creative team. So you're first put of call between the cast and the actual running of the show and the creative team that aren't there every day. So that's a lot of it. Obviously, actually conducting the show when you're conduct like I don't conduct every show, but when I'm there, um, playing piano sometimes. So six is conducted from the keyboard. So I do uh, both. Um, Amazing. It, it's not as hard as it sounds obviously. it's just a lot of nodding um, uh, um, then like obviously in rehearsals you're responsible for teaching the music unless sometimes the supervisor teaches music it's usually a sort of a team effort um, and then it's just a lot of like like I said people management take vocal warm ups deal with people if their voice is feeling under the weather sometimes that's working out contingency plans vocally or help, you know, helping decide whether they should go off or not or um, sometimes telling people to go off, which <laughs> always goes down badly. Um, uh, but it's just it's just negotiating between all departments. You always have to have a good relationship with sound. Always have to have a good relation with direction and choreography. Always, have, you know, and then you're there every day. I always call it in the trenches, like actually handling the show day to day and feeding back. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of exhausting, but it's also amazing. <laughs> it's really fun. How do you manage that in terms of obviously as sounds a lot just listening to yeah. how do you manage that in terms of having new time and taking care of yourself um, I so our dark day for six is Monday and I always just make sure I, I just don't, won't book work on Mondays because sometimes I take extra <laughs> teaching but um, I just won't on Mondays with the exception of next Monday but that's because we're auditioning I kind of had no choice yeah. um, <laughs> uh, the thing I find really hard actually is emails like is because obviously you still because you're on the production team a lot of the time when I still have to do a lot of emails or sometimes even if I don't have to reply it's reading them mm-hmm. and um, that's the thing I find I think that I need to enforce a better boundary on because mm-hmm. I just sort of deal with them all day mm-hmm. yeah 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 um, which means it's the classic thing of like find a job you love and you never work in a day in your life and it's like well actually you just kind of work all the time oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the thing I'm. I I guess I need to get better at, but um, I just make sure I get exercise in, um, yeah. see socialise as much as possible because that's another yeah. thing that's hard in this job. Yeah. Uh, yeah, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Chill out with my cat. Well, I love that. <laughs> I love that. I wish you brought yeah. your cat. Just sat here with. Well, he, I don't. He'd have been <laughs> a nightmare. <laughs> Hi everyone, it's Stephen King from King Manual Therapy in Covent Garden. I'm going to be talking to you about the benefits of vocal massage. So the benefits to vocal massage are, number one, it keeps your voice free and healthy. Number two, it keeps your mental health good in relation to your vocal production. Number three, it makes your voice more reliable more of the time. This particularly matters for auditions, for shows, for anything you've got coming up, including public speaking. Um, so you have been all over the country with your work. Um, we all know touring can be very up and down. How have you found this as a creative? Um, touring and tour- I think touring is it, it was the biggest time when the, having a divide between cast and creatives becomes mm-hmm. a problem because the rest of the creatives don't tour. Mm-hmm. So that can be difficult. Yeah. So you need to make, I just really make sure I have friends in both cast mm-hmm. and band. To hang out with, and I think for me, um, getting those endorphins at the gym was crucial. Um, making sure to eat healthily as much as possible, it's all the stereotypical stuff that really does make a difference, yeah. yeah. And then just 
I always just respected my need to go home. So it's like even if, you know, a lot of the time the touring company pays for the travel from one venue to the next, but you have a day off, I'd always zip home for the day off and then go yeah, back. Yeah. And I, I just knew that was something I needed to do to sleep, just to sleep in my own bed for one night yeah. and then go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but everyone's different, I guess. But yeah, that was those were my main things, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then try and focus on the fact that you're going to see cool places. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's seen. Where was the coolest place you visited? Um, I've not toured loads and loads, but I say I just love Edinburgh. It's the best. It is the best. You just say that because we're both Scottish. I've literally (laughs) only been to Edinburgh in Scotland. Yeah. (laughs) You don't need to go anywhere else. Yeah. You need to go to Glasgow for a night out. I have been to Glasgow, but I I didn't go out. It was just for an audition. But yeah, I I just love Edinburgh. And I've also only been to Edinburgh during the Fringe, so I don't know what real Edinburgh is like. So basically, I'm a heathen. I would would recommend going not in the Fringe so that you can actually move along the street (laughs) and not get flyers shoved in your face every five minutes. I worked out I've been to the Fringe so much that I've lived in Edinburgh for nine months. Really? Uh, yeah, in my wow. life. <laughs> that's <laughs> great. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's like a long time. Yeah, it is. Oh, amazing. <laughs> that's a great place to live. Yeah, it's beautiful. Come to Glasgow. <laughs> um, so would you, we offer free telephone um, counselling now. Would you say that is something as a creative you maybe would have benefited from or it could benefit? Creative. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think anyone could at any time, and I only found out about that like the other day. But it's so good. I think so much of the time, finance is why people feel like they don't, like, they can't get help. So I think that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. So, how do you think that mental health is currently approached with regard to creatives? Mm. I don't. I just don't. I don't think it specifically is. That's obviously only my experience of it, but I don't think it is specifically. I think it is under the the branch the what am I trying to say? Under the umbrella. Yes, it's like branch <laughs> bracket. No. Um, and yeah, under the umbrella of how all theatre companies are treated, and I and that's great. But I think that I don't. Yeah, I don't think creatives. I don't think any of that is targeted at creatives. It's targeted at casts. Yeah. yeah. Um. But that's I don't know maybe but maybe some people don't feel that way. I think it's push. the thing of like showing when you're in a leadership role, it, you you don't want to show any weakness, and of course mental health shouldn't be looked at as a weakness. Yeah. Um, but I think even for the people that don't think that way it is an underlying bracket of it I guess yeah so let's talk about collaboration Uh, we spoke with choreographer Tom Jackson Greaves in series one uh, about hierarchy in a rehearsal room which is actually something that he brought up Um, what do you think is needed to create a safe space to work in for everyone Um, I think okay so a couple of things I think everyone knowing everyone's name everyone knowing who's the first person to go to if there's a problem and I think unfortunately that has to rely upon the company manager um, I think really important is the breaks that are set by like the equity rule breaks being scheduled at a time and those being stuck to because I think it, it's so bad, and I, I, I'm such a believer in work smart, not work smarter, not harder. And it, and I always notice morale if breaks are late, and you don't, or you don't know when the breaks are coming, whatever. I think it's really important that they're stuck to, and I guess that comes down to the stage manager. And I know that sometimes in a rehearsal situation, you are in the middle of something, and it's like let's wait on this for ten minutes. And I think in, in exception, that's fine. But I've just a lot 
I just think it's really important to try and stick to them as much as yeah. possible. Just so, and and people work through breaks and stuff, and I just don't, I just don't agree with that. If you choose to do it, that's that's up to you. But I'm never a person that will do that. I will always. Yeah. I mean, okay, five minutes into your lunch break to note bash something for someone, I'm not. I'm always going to say yes to that. Yeah. But like, I need to take time out of the room. I think that's important for everyone more so yeah. than they realise. Maybe. Absolutely. I agree. I think. I think that musicians are a lot better at doing that than maybe actors are. Like, I always notice. Um, we met at the Watson Stage Awards, and I work that every year, and I've always yeah. noticed that we'll be if we're running late with sound check. The musicians, it'll be like they'll be like bye we're yeah. on our break whereas <laughs> literally and we're, yeah, and we're yeah. like yeah, that's right, because okay, of the MU overtime rules yes. though yeah exactly <laughs> exactly which, exactly, which but like, major but yeah. maybe maybe our like our actress rules aren't as as stringent as that so that's why we we don't take them and it's so true I don't like I've never had really scheduled um rehearsal breaks in rehearsals what about you I have yeah you have. Lockery was very was it d- 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 this, d- it helps yeah, everyone stage manager was like Brick, yeah. regardless, even if we're right in the middle, it was like brick. Yeah, yeah. you went, you went away. It was important, isn't it? Yeah, I think it really helps. Yeah, and also like a lot of the time when people are like, get out of the room, mm-hmm. like leave the room. I think yeah. that that's really important yeah. as well. Even yeah. like in terms of like overtime, like everything was tracked. Everything. That's if great. one person was like one more hour over, they'd get paid extra. Yeah. Where sometimes it's easy to fall that. behind and mm. not even keep track yeah. of yeah. how many yeah. hours you're doing. Cool. So, six. Um, <laughs> which you're currently working on just now. Um, it's an all-female cast and band, and many of the other creatives are female too. How important do you think it is for females to become more represented in theatre, and do you think positive representation can improve mental health? I love that question. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so um, representation, I think, is vital, and I think more, even more so than that, visibility. Mm. And that is the biggest thing. I've noticed through doing six is because it's not advertised it's all like obviously the cast all female but it's not advertised it's all female band um, but it is I've had so many people come up to me afterwards and amazing stuff like oh my daughter plays piano and she wouldn't know what to do what you do she's never seen a girl conduct before and stuff and you're just like and I, I was and actually like stage uh, as well. right I was actually like that that day I was like okay I've made it yeah. <laughs> this is the best day ever um and it, it's that is and representation of women is something that has completely changed since I've been working. I felt like it was an active hindrance towards me when I started, mm. and uh, in the past eighteen months, everything in my life has changed work-wise. And I think it's because um, partly because people are actively trying to recruit women, and I think all, I think also like the gradual beating down of the door that's been going on for however many years is also starting to work. Yeah. Um, I think that like again from the music side of things and I'm sure people in other sides will disagree but the way I've seen it other creative roles the male female split is getting better and better and better in music and sound it is still so grim (laughs) really yeah so um there are I can't I don't want to say the number of of West End shows conducted by women right now but I'll get it wrong but it's like I think it's two maybe three and there'll be people in the teams but yeah but before six opened last summer and actually um, Little Shop of Horrors was on last summer as well but before those opened it was all connected by men (laughs) and then the MU did a survey of um, of West West End pit musicians it's 90% male 
and it's and music college students is something like 60% female <laughs> so the stats just just don't add up so I think I think that's thing I found that really hard going when I first started yeah. and I can't confirm that I didn't get jobs because I was female I don't know but I found I really found it, it, aside from that I really found it disheartening every time I went to see a show and saw an all-male band because mm-hmm. there's just no reason for it and I think that's other than that's the image that people expect to see so I think that's why I'm really proud of Six um, and obviously shows like Heather's having all female band and all this stuff it's just all visibility and yeah. it's like oh yeah girls can do that too and actually they're really amazing at it sometimes and it's just yeah, yeah it's just a really nice thing um and I've noticed, I, I personally feel much more positive about my job as a whole now that <coughs> I know that w- women are getting jobs. Whereas, like, to start with, when you're starting out and you feel, there's a question in your mind that's like, am I just not getting this? Of course that's going to make you feel bad. So I think it does. I think it does affect mental health a lot. Um, having And in terms of, like, the pos- positively having an effect now, now that there is a high we've got such high percentage of females in six like it is amazing yeah it's a really positive thing it's electric on that it's stage. so fun yeah, yeah. It's, it's so fun and I think it I think it has helped a lot of people within the company like feel yeah. positive about it yeah yeah how has it made you feel obviously um, sex is one of the kinds and it's completely shook up theatre how is it for you because like you're the envy of this amazing show yeah. that's technically changed history yeah <laughs> like as you oh said God, like I have the, to tell Toby and Lucy that you said that no but um, like it's, it, it it's has it's a new British musical that everyone's so on for, for everyone involved it's just utterly insane yeah we're all just like what is happening and I compared to the guys like the writers and directors and musical supervisor who have been on it they were all at Cambridge together they wrote it in their final year like they've been on it for so long they are absolutely pinching themselves and can't believe what's happening and so and I'm relatively new to the project and I still feel so proud of it and stuff so I can't well I can't imagine how they must feel because they tell me but they just everyone can't believe it yeah yeah Yeah, it's so fun especially like aspiring MDs are coming to watch you especially females and going mm. okay I can do it yeah like I mean that's you amazing. probably don't even know that no. like, you're inspiring <laughs> a whole generation of people behind it's, it's yeah it's fantastic yeah when I was growing up I never I never saw one I never saw a female conductor musical ever and I don't know I think it's because I went to this like <laughs> this girls school mm. that's like I basically went to Centrinians. So like in, in, in I'm from Warwickshire and it is, it is a grammar school, but it's a state grammar school, so it's no fee paying, but you do have to pass the exam to get in. And I can only describe it as Centrinians. And so and I never and I never occurred to me as a thing because I was surrounded by these amazingly gifted clever girls and we're always just told you can do anything and everyone was just like fine I will do anything and it, and but and I think because I grew up in that atmosphere it never occurred to me like oh there's going to be a male female to mine I was just like I want to do that so I'm just going to go do it but that's yeah. so my upbringing um uh and so but now I look back on it and think yeah I, I never saw any men conduct and if I hadn't gone to this mad school maybe I would maybe think that I couldn't do it yeah so uh what has been your favorite job to work on and why um so like six is literally the best thing ever and I'm, I'm, I'm living my best life all the time <laughs> but um but I love News Review and News Review were a show that gave me a chance quite early on and if I could just write silly sketches and rewrite the lyrics to pop songs and make it about the politics all the time I probably would do that as well it's so fun I love News Review um they're amazing for um for just giving new people chances, new actors, new creators chances. It's so creative. 
it's so hard work, but it's yeah, so much fun. So probably that well, one as well. Yeah, yeah. So, what advice would you give to aspiring MDs? We're all aware of how hard the industry can be. Um, so, what what would your um, top couple of tips be? Okay, my mantra in life is work hard and be kind to people. Cheer it, um, chooses it is in the past sometimes when I've been given opportunities to, to like have a leg up and it's been something that I haven't agreed with or something or something like that like morally wise I've just been like no I'm not going to do it I'm going to be nice and uh, for years I felt like that was putting me really really behind but I think now it seems to be working so I would say like stay true to yourself but then again if being true to yourself is doing what you want to do and and being like relentless and just, and just not being nice to people that's also cool do what you want um, uh, also just um, learn as much as you can about people and speak to everyone in the team because it will make your life easier in a very immediate sense but also in the long run it then helps as I said, it's 90% people management, and if you've spoken to a lot of people, people management just doesn't become a thing that you have to actively do. It just becomes yeah. second nature. So yeah, always speak to people. Um, always make friends with your sound designer because <laughs> they can make your life awful. Um, and uh, yeah, listen to as much different music as you can, and don't limit it to musical theatre. Mm, yes. What have you got on your Spotify playlist? <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> I listen to the worst music. Like it's so embarrassing. My friends take the piss at me for it the whole time. So basically, all I listen to is Ariana Grande because I'm obsessed with her. Have you heard her new song? Uh, seven. I'm, was it seven, seven rings. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I know it. all of them. Oh I'm, I'm actually obsessed with her. Like in a way that's not cool. It started as a joke and now it isn't. No, it's um, so I basically all I listen to is like, it's just so embarrassing. Like musicals, obviously, and like Ariana Grande and um, like. 90s club hits like yes. like finally by CC Pedersen and stuff like yeah. that and like basically just pride play- playlists all year round uh, yeah really uncool have you, have you, are you going to go to like Ariana Grande gig <laughs> yeah I'm going, or, I'm going to yeah, see it, it. <laughs> I got, got any t-shirts or? I actually don't but I imagine I'll buy one yeah, but yeah I've actually I used one of my days holiday on 6 to book off so I can go see Ariana Grande <laughs> oh my god I love it she's great you know I, I have a guilty pleasure for Ari she really has well. such a good she voice vocals. isn't she great vocals for days no diction great voice yeah yeah, yeah. Love her. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, I don't know what you're saying, but you sound exactly. unreal. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah. That pony. I want that ponytail. I know. Just not like, I had. I got my. Ha- my hair was so long before, and I just got it cut, and I'm so sad. And I'm like, no, I've got to start again, getting to the Ariana. Yeah, the Ariana pony. I love it. <laughs> Last question. Yeah. Could you walk into a room today and say, I'm having a bad mental health day? Um, depends which room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which room would you feel safe in? Um my friends amazing <laughs> uh, brilliant Great. fantastic we are on to finish, finish the, the sentence, sentence. <laughs> okay are you ready yeah okay my favorite shower song is revenge party from mean girls the musical amazing. easy <laughs> <laughs> i'm surprised you didn't see ariana grande yeah it's because i can't sing as well as her so it's, yeah. <laughs> i have to judge myself now. summer makes me uh, happy, look forward to it all year round. It's coming, I can feel it. Oh, yeah. me too. I can't wait for that sunshine. <laughs> this yeah. wind recently, I'm like, honey, it's yeah. awful. Yeah. It's absolutely awful. My dead or alive party guest would be. Um, I actually had this conversation with someone like two weeks ago, and I never thought about it before, but I think Barack Obama, I think. Yes, fantastic. What would you ask him? Um, 
I don't even know. I, th- I just think I just have to ask him about everything in the world. So cool. Yeah, he's so, so cool. cool. And he's done... I'm reading Michelle's autobiography at the moment, but it's really good. But yeah, I just think he must know so... have such a unique perspective. So, yeah. Maybe we should get him on the podcast, Kathy. Yeah, right, yeah, we'll just call him. He might, yeah. He might, you never know. He's a good guy. And if I could live anywhere in the world, it would be... Oh, um... I firmly think that London is the best place in the world. But, I don't know. So probably London, but also New York, obviously. But also, like, if it wasn't for work, probably, like, Thailand. Yeah. Give me that beach. Absolutely, absolutely. When I was a kid, my favourite TV programme was... Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if I could eat one meal for the rest of my life, it would be... Sushi. Oh, yes. <laughs> with, with what in it? Uh, salmon. salmon. Yeah, salmon. Yeah. <laughs> um, mental health to me is... Um, I think something that everyone deals with, deals with to an extent. If I was stuck on a desert island and only had three items to take with me, they would be... A piano. Um, <laughs> so boring. Am I allowed, is it like Desert Island where you've got like the works of Shakespeare or is it I have nothing except for these things? Uh, you've got nothing apart from these three things. Okay. Um, <laughs> one practical thing, um, a fridge. I don't know where I get electricity from, but then if I, you know, you could use caught it for a fish shelter or and something. I could put fish in it and it wouldn't go off, yeah, I feel yeah. like that would be practical. And um, probably Harry Potter books. Fantastic. All seven of them, they count as one item. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, amazing. It's been brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting to us today. Thank you. It's been fab to hear you chat and for you to be our first MD. I love it. Go Thank you so much for listening to Industry Minds and we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to be the first to listen to our new episodes, which are out every Thursday. If you are interested in our counselling service, please email maryindustryminds at gmail.com or just get in touch with us. For news on future guests and events, oi oi, please check out our Instagram and Twitter accounts over at industryminds.uk. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back with you soon. Have a great week. Bye. 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 <laughs>